What's up guys, it's Ollie from History Profiles and I'm very happy to be working with Magic Spoon, my favourite cereal brand. I personally have it every day and one great thing about Magic Spoon is the variety of flavours. My personal favourite right now is actually the cookies and cream. Mm. As well as the cereal's amazing taste, it is high in protein, having 13 to 14 grams of protein per serving. It also has just 4 grams of net carbs per serving, being keto friendly. It has 0 grams of sugar, and only has 140 calories per serving. Magic Spoon is also gluten free and soy free, and is low carb. Recently I've desperately been trying to cut down my sugar intake. I've also tried to stop eating unhealthy foods. Magic Spoon is really helping me with that battle. Not only does it taste really good, but I know whenever I'm craving something unhealthy, I can always have a bowl of Magic Spoon, and it provides me with a benefit. Click the link below to get some Magic Spoon cereal today. You can build your very own variety box, and use my code HISTORYPROFILES for $5 off. You can choose from the best selling cocoa, fruity, frosted, peanut butter, cookies and cream, and maple waffle flavours, plus other awesome flavours, including blueberry and cinnamon. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with an 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund you your money, no questions asked. So click the link below and use the code HISTORYPROFILES for $5 off, or go to magicspoon.com forward slash HISTORYPROFILES to save $5 off your order today. Also, for my Canadian and British fans, Magic Spoon is now shipping to Canada and the UK. In this video, I will be taking you to 11th century England to the climax of the Viking Age. This was a time where the Viking warriors were ever present in England, making themselves known by raiding and ravaging the lands of the English. This is a sad tale, full of betrayal, death and chaos, but it was also full of honour and bravery. A savage time breeds savage men. In this story, we will explore the life of the famed warrior prince, Edmund Ironside. In order for him to become the man he was destined to be, he would need to overcome the Viking invaders and take back his lands. This is his story. First, let's look at his early life. Edmund was born in the year 990. He was the third of six sons to King Ethelred, King of the English, and his first wife, F. Gifu of York. His eldest brother was Ethelstan the Etheling, who was the heir apparent. Ethelstan was a warrior through and through, and was fascinated by the soldiers of old, accumulating a collection of ancient swords and armours. Edmund would look up to his brother. He also had another older brother called Egbert and three younger brothers, Eadred, Edwig and Edgar. His mother would die in the year 1000 and his father would then remarry. He chose Emma of Normandy to be his bride and by her, Edmund's father the king had two more sons, Edward who would later be Edward the Confessor, and Alfred. Growing up, Edmund loved to practice with the sword. 
he quickly became the biggest and strongest of all his siblings. This along with his iron will, would forge him into the man he needed to be. His older brother Egbert would die in the year 1005. Edmund and his father were close, but things would quickly change once Emma of Normandy came into the fold. Her ambition and favouritism to her other children were becoming apparent. However, none of this mattered as the Vikings were becoming bolder and more brazen with their continuous raids of England, led by King Sven Forkbeard. Soon enough, he would launch a full-scale invasion into England with his son, Prince Canute. This had been a long time coming. When Sven Forkbeard arrived in England, according to the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle, they arrived with their fleet in Sandwich and went swiftly to East Anglia. Erlutrid quickly bowed to Sven, as did all the people of Northumbria. Then the people of the five boroughs followed. His men were then provisioned and horsed by the people, who strengthened Sven and Canute's forces greatly. They were now ready for war. They then went to Winchester, and the people there did the same. Then, they pressed eastward to London. King Ethelred's forces would resist against the mighty Sven Forkbeard and Canute, but their resistance was in vain. The overwhelming might of Sven's forces would cause the English to lose heart. King Ethelred then retreated to the Isle of Wight. Following a meeting with some of his generals, he then went into exile in Normandy. On Christmas Day, in the year 1013, Sven was declared the King of England. Only five weeks after his ascent, however, he would die at the age of 50. Sven did not even have the time to organise his vast new kingdom, and his sudden death would leave England in chaos. Whilst Ethelred went into exile in Normandy, it became known that Edmund too would go into exile, but in reality, he stayed in England and went into hiding while trying to gather support from powerful lords whilst operating in the shadows. Edmund managed to gain the support of Morcar and Sigfert, who did change sides to serve Sven Forkbeard, but Edmund's charm and iron will managed to convince these two influential Thens in the East Midlands to join him, and with them came huge numbers for his future army. Edmund and his older brother, the heir Ethelstan, were very close. The brothers shared a love for combat, and were very similar. However, in 1014, Ethelstan the Etheling would tragically die under circumstances that have not been recorded by history. On his deathbed, he left Edmund his most prized possession, the legendary sword of King Offa of Mercia. This sword was over 200 years old, and had been passed down from generation to generation. It was the symbol of a warrior king. Edmund was now the heir apparent to the Kingdom of England, but with Prince Canute, the son of Sven Forkbeard, proclaiming the crown of the English, Edmund's destiny hung in the balance. After Sven's very brief reign, Ethelred was invited to take back his kinship by the Witten, who were the great lords and earls of England. Whilst Ethelred sailed from Normandy, the common people of the five boroughs of the Danelaw, which were Derby, Leicester, Lincoln, Nottingham and Stamford, cried out for Canute to be crowned as King of the English. 
King Ethelred, with the support from the Witten, quickly mustered up a force of loyalists. Edmund at this point was said to be the finest swordsman in all England and he would lead his father's army in a surprise attack against Canute's forces. The assault left Canute's army running back to their longships. Canute barely escaped with his life and as for Edmund, this was a glorious victory for the Viking conquerors had been vanquished for a time. The English forces saw firsthand what Edmund was capable of and they knew he was a man to follow. Although their king was his father, Ethelred, the majority of the English soldiers were now loyal to Edmund, for they knew he would die for them, as they would for him. The two powerful Thens, Morcar and Sigfirth, became very close to Edmund, and they had bled for him. Nevertheless, Lord Eadric, the Elderman of Mercia, was always whispering poison in Ethelred's ear and he decided to execute them due to their past decision in siding with Sven Forkbeard. Lord Eadric had also just returned to the fold after siding with Sven. This was a real Game of Thrones, full of schemes, betrayals, and the lust for power was very real. The death sentence of Edmund's two friends caused a rift between father and son. King Ethelred then ordered that Sigfirth's widow, Ildgith, be seized and taken to an... This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Nunnery. Edmund, however, revolted against his father and with his own loyalists took her and married her in defiance. This marriage had just made Edmund one of the most powerful eldermen in the country as well as being the prince. As his wife's family held considerable power in the East Midlands. After this act of defiance, Morcar and Sigfirth's remaining soldiers pledged their allegiance to Edmund, believing that this would have been the wish of their fallen masters. Edmund then received the allegiance of the people of the five boroughs. Canute, however, hadn't forgotten about England, and he was on his way back from Denmark at the head of an army with one goal in mind taking the English throne. It is said that the battles to come were of an intensity that had not been seen since the days of Alfred the Great. In early September, Canute would arrive in Sandwich. He then sailed around Kent to Wessex and began his campaign, but in order to win the crown, rivers of blood would need to stain the English soil he wished to rule. King Ethelred would soon become sick and it was left to Edmund to fight the Vikings and win back England for the English royal house. Lord Eadric of Mercia once again betrayed the English and joined Canute. Upon hearing this, Edmund knew he needed more allies, so he went north to meet with Uhtred of Northumbria, hoping he would join him, but Uhtred was intercepted by Canute. Canute, however, 
had Uhtred executed due to his wavering allegiance. All the great lords of England were dying like flies. Opportunity, treachery and survival instinct would cause the powerful to tremble before Edmund and Canute, whose rivalry would cause England to burn. King Ethelred would die in April 1016 and the Witten declared Canute as the King of England, but London and Wessex declared Edmund as the King and he was crowned in St Paul's Cathedral, two kings in one land who both thought they had the right to rule would cause nothing but devastation and death. Edmund quickly left London to amass an army. Days later, Canute would besiege it. Canute would chase Edmund's army south and many battles and skirmishes were fought. Edmund would quickly become known as Edmund Ironside on account of his incredible physical and mental strength and due to the fact that the English and Vikings had not seen a warrior like him in generations. Soon enough the two kings, Canute and Edmund, would face each other head on. In the hills of Sherston on June the 25th, the Danish and English armies would clash. Edmund Ironside would fight amazingly, cutting down many Danish troops and inspiring his men to fight on. Canute would also be in the thick of the fighting and would fight with a trance-like fury. But once the blood rage wore off the leaders of the armies, Canute and Edmund saw the amount of death and bloodshed. This caused them to call the battle off. There would be no celebration that night, for too many poor souls lay dead on the battlefield. Edmund then went to Wessex to gather more men, and then went to London to retake it from Canute's forces. Edmund then pursued Canute into Kent, and had him on the run. Lord Eadric of Mercia once again betrayed Canute, as was his nature, and pledged allegiance to Edmund. King Canute and his forces would bide their time on the Isle of Sheppey until they were ready for one more decisive battle, for this was Canute's only hope of victory. Later that year, on the 16th of October 1016, a decisive battle would take place that would decide the fate of England. The Battle of Assendon would take place in Essex, where Canute would face off once again against Edmund Ironside. During the battle, both the English and Danish armies fought valiantly, but Lord Eadric of Mercia again betrayed Edmund and abandoned the battle amidst the carnage, allowing the Vikings to break through the English lines and annihilate Edmund's forces. Edmund would then flee and Canute would pursue his army to Gloucestershire to the Forest of Dean where their forces would once again face each other. Edmund's army by this point was very much depleted. Canute knew that a battle would more than likely result in his absolute victory. Before the battle the two kings would ride out and exchange words. Edmund Ironside would emerge from his army. He was a huge muscular man, dressed in the ancient armour of his older brother, with King Offa's legendary sword on display for all men to see. Canute too emerged from his side, and Edmund would challenge Canute to fight him in single combat in front of both of their forces. This was done in order to spare any more bloodshed. 
Canute, a man of wisdom, who although had gone through extensive military and strength training himself with the Yom's Vikings, knew his limits, and argued that Edmund's great size and strength would make the duel unfair. Canute and Edmund would talk for a great while, whilst their soldiers stood there, waiting for an order. It was a strange time, for these great leaders and warriors wished each other dead, but respected one another, recognising each other's greatness. Canute and his soldiers had such respect for Edmund as a man and a warrior, that Canute offered Edmund joint kinship of England. He offered Edmund Wessex and East Anglia and London, while Canute would rule the rest of the country until one of their deaths, in which the survivor would become king of all the land. Just one month later, Edmund died under mysterious circumstances. Some say he died from his festering wounds he retained in battle. Others say he died from assassins under the employment of Lord Eardric of Mercia. Whatever the case, he barely had time to rule part of the land he fought and bled for. Upon his death, Canute became king of all of England. Canute would never see the like of Edmund again, nor face another rival with his will to fight and ferociousness. You'll be glad to hear that Canute hated Oathbreakers, and he said to Lord Eardric of Mercia, a man who betrays one master is likely to do the same to another. While the two were arguing, Eardric was decapitated with a battle axe by Eric of Northumbria. Eardric's head was then placed on a spike and mounted on London Bridge. On the anniversary of Edmund's death, King Canute visited his grave and would spread a cloak adorned with peacocks on his tomb. He is believed to have done this to help Edmund attain salvation as the peacocks represented resurrection. This conveys Edmund Ironside was such a striking, powerful figure that even his very memory affected Canute deeply. As though they were enemies, Canute held him in great esteem, recognising his greatness and iron will in life. The amount of betrayal, scheming chaos and death during this time was unimaginable. Lords turning on kings, men murdering their masters, and the result was uncountable death. The story of the cursed warrior prince, Edmund Ironside, is tragic, as his whole life was dedicated to reclaiming the lands of his forefathers, and he had the means to do it. He had the skill with the sword, the strength, and the mindset to fight, no matter the odds. But the treachery of others is what led to his untimely death, he would have died as a young man in his prime, at the age of 26. Edmund's tale has personally fascinated me, as to be great in a time where the powerful play at a game of thrones is rare indeed. If you enjoyed the video, be sure to like, comment and subscribe. And if you made it this far, check out my Patreon, where I will make your video ideas into a reality exclusively for you and my other patrons. Anyway, I'll see you all soon for another History Profile.